We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Mertig. What's up, Andrew? It's Friday. It is good to be back. We're ready to talk football um, in this exciting offseason that we are in. Yeah, I, I'm really pumped up and and kind of relieved, to be honest with you, because I just put a wrap on my offensive evaluations for the draft. And oh, boy, it was a long list. And I'm I'm really <laughs> glad to be kind of taking a break in between offense and defense for a day or two. Uh, but if you're going to let me hijack the beginning of the show, will you, will you allow a, that? I don't think I you have don't a have a choice, but <laughs> I, I feel like I need to ask just to be a nice guy. But I, I did want to throw out a little bit of info on my process for evaluating draft prospects. And I, I get asked this a lot on Twitter. Side note, I always love the interaction and feedback, even if I sometimes seem grumpy because sometimes people ask me a question and like, especially right now, there's a lot of guys floating through my head and I oftentimes have to go back to my notes. So sometimes I close a tab and then somebody will ask me exactly what I needed to go back to. But anyways, I love that interaction. That's really why I do this, but I don't get any money out of doing my draft rankings. I'm not doing it for anyone but myself. I'm not putting out a draft guide and, and, 
really, you know, this is a, a project I'm passionate about. I love interacting with people about the NFL draft. I'm certainly not doing this full time, right? Like I have another job and I <laughs> have to get my list of players to watch from somewhere. So I, I, I can't always watch every or even most or sometimes even some of the college games across the country. So I try to develop a list of players by compiling who the experts like. From there, I do my own work. I try not to read other evals until I get a feeling of where I want to rank a player. And usually from that point, I take my notes and I give the player a grade from 1 to 100. I have developed a grading scale for each position. So for instance, you take a look at wide receiver. I have a grade for route running, acceleration, deep speed, contested catching, run after the catch, and blocking. And they're all at different point value, obviously blocking being the least of those categories. And, and then the, the player just gets a grade. And so, you know, now that I have all of my offensive players graded, I will take them. I'll lump them together on, on one sheet in my spreadsheet. And uh, I, I will, you know, have their grade, whatever that happens to be, from 1 to 100. And each position, I've given a plus or a minus point value, depending on how I view that position's value. So, you know, quarterbacks are the most interior offense alignment and running backs are the least i don't grade any kickers or punters kyle so <laughs> I, I guess that that that's things i know i really should get into that but i i plug that into a formula that factors in age so yes you get punished for being older and RAS score and i've done tweaks on all of these things over the years and and i'm feeling pretty comfortable where i'm at right now and that's going to spit out an overall grade. So eventually, when I trudge my way through all the defensive prospects, I'll release my rankings based, based strictly on film grade. And then I'm going to release a separate list of rankings based on my formula. So it does tend to be a heck of a lot of work, but I love it. And any fan interaction I get makes it even more fun. But that is just my system. Everybody looks at these things very differently. And Kyle, I know you have a fun wrinkle in the way that you evaluate draft prospects. And I, I don't know if you wanted to share that with everybody. Sure, sure. I first have to say, I think the biggest flaw in your system for evaluating Packer players is clearly that you make the blocking portion of a wide receiver the lowest. I mean, how are we ever going to predict a Matt LaFleur wide receiver if you only have the blocking as the lowest portion of that grade. I mean, here, that's here, here's my theory. And, and actually that's funny that you mention it, but in RAS score, right? The, the way that relative athletic score is formulated, they take into account how big a player is. And so when you get those six, five 225 wide receivers who also run a decent speed, that tends to lead to Packer players. So weighting the RAS score in that formula is one of the ways that I offset that a little bit. That's nice. And I, I think we're a couple of weeks away from starting to get some RAS scores coming together as we get through some pro days and those kinds of things. And that will be a whole nother nerd level that is unlocked for us. I, I, <laughs> I just I just want to tell you, I looked up 131 player ages today. That's okay? good stuff. I had a cheat sheet. There was somebody who did a lot of the work on the internet, but they didn't do all of it. And so I had to continue on. And so like when I say this is my off day, it means I'm not watching film. I'm still plugging in numbers. That's good. And some guys, you feel like you're the FBI trying to search for those those ages. Some schools have it right on yep. the bio. And then other ones, it's like, yeah, for whatever reason, they are not telling you that that player is 26 years old. So, um, But Andrew is right. Uh, I have a very different process than him. And he is much more thorough and has watched 
I don't even know how many more players than I have at this point. I will say that I also uh, just completed the offensive side of the ball where I feel will be the first three rounds worth of players. My goal is to, until the very end, uh, get through what I think will be the day one and day two prospects and have a really good handle on those guys and then delve in a little bit deeper as I have time as we get closer. But what Andrew's alluding to is one thing that I like to do in my process is pull up some player interviews uh, from especially uh, summer camps and before and after games. Players will often speak to the media, and it's really interesting to hear a player speak. Sometimes sometimes it's most interesting to watch them after a loss uh, because you'll see how a player uh, deflects uh, blame for a game or um, if they speak highly of their teammates and those kinds of things. So I remember uh, just a couple of years ago I, I was watching Jamal Williams and his player interview. And uh, if you remember, there were some character questions about Jamal Williams and uh, being from BYU. Uh, they're, they're rather strict out there. And so it was funny pulling up uh, an interview of Jamal Williams because we know obviously now how charismatic he is and what a great teammate he is. And it was very, very clear uh, from the interviews, just what a what a great locker room he, player he was going to be and just a, a fun dude all around. So I love that element of it. It's not uh, the most scientific piece of what we do, uh, but I love that. And, and it adds a lot to uh, the process for me and coloring who these players are. I think that's really awesome. And you think about this Packers team and you have guys like David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, that are just phenomenal locker room guys. You can add in Alan Lazard. You talk on the defense guys who have a little bit of swagger, Jair, Zedarius. You can sort of see how they're trying to compile this team to not only be great players, but then in addition, also have that that like positive locker room presence to them as well. And so I, I, I was really blown away when you told me that I'd never even thought of looking up player interviews. And, and I think that's an awesome addition um, to, to what you do. And, you know, you and I have conversations about different prospects multiple times a week. Usually <laughs> that's what fills the time before and after we record. And it is fun to see the differences and the things we like and don't like about certain prospects as we go through this. And I think, you know, for me, I don't want to influence what you're seeing, and I know you don't want to influence what I'm seeing. And again, that's why I try not to read too many of the big draft sites in advance because it, it does. It sort of plants something in your mind um, about what you expect to see, and sometimes you see exactly what you want to. So um, it's good to come in with a fresh slate, but then afterwards I love chatting about that. So that's where that that Twitter interaction really comes in. But anyways, we have an actual <laughs> show to do, and I told you I was going to hijack everything. After all of that, I am really excited to continue discussing where the Packers are and how they can address some of their needs this offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are excited to continue the show today. If you listened to last week's show, you know that Andrew and I just began a brand new series on Fridays called The Positional Prospectus. Uh, we're going to take a look at the Packers roster, uh, tackle two or three different positions on each show, and kind of assess where things currently sit, but then have some fun and dream about where each position could go over the course of this offseason. We began this madness last week with quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. And so if you missed that show, you can go back and get caught up there. But a uh, spoiler alert, we do believe that Aaron Rodgers is in the plans for this team in 2021. So be prepared for that hot take. Uh, but today, we're back to continue the conversation uh, by tackling tight end, offensive tackle, and the interior of the offensive line. Andrew, you want to get us kicked off? 
Yeah, and I'm sure people are really pumped to hear that we're going to talk about tight ends and offensive linemen today. The three most exciting positions in all of football. <laughs> but please stick with us because I promise you we have some really interesting players to talk about. And, you know, currently if you take a look at what's on the roster for the Packers at tight end, you have Jay Sternberger, Josiah Deguara, Isaac Nauta, and Dominique Daphne on the roster. Now, really, between those four players, we didn't see much in 2020 uh sternberger and deguara of course were dealing with injuries a lot uh, sternberger was a little bit of a disappointment when he was on the field deguara showed a ton of potential and then of course you know didn't play again in the season isaac nada is an interesting block first option that the packers picked up along the way and dominique daphne of course was playing sort of an h-back role um, and a little bit of tight end and looked really really impressive for an undrafted rookie Robert Tunyon is a restricted free agent. I don't foresee any way he is not back next year. And unless some team comes in and blows their their uh, offer out of the water. Crazy. But I just I just don't foresee it. Mercedes Lewis is an unrestricted free agent. He might decide to retire, but if he is back and he wants to play another season, I think the Packers could get him at a discounted rate. Yeah, so as a part of this, we're going to take a look at the free agent landscape and see how the Packers could uh, delve into those waters in each position. And I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on free agents with the, with the tight end position. Packers, they're not going to spend a ton of money here, I don't think. They're going to pay Robert Tunyon and potentially Mercedes Lewis if they decide to go that route. Uh, but it's hard for me to imagine a scenario in which they sign any notable players at the tight end position in free agency. If they wanted to sign Hunter Henry, they probably would have done it last year. Uh, Johnu Smith is going to be pricey as well. I I just, it's a, it's a lot it's for me to imagine them deciding with all the financial hoops that they have to jump through this offseason, deciding that tight end is where they want to spend that money, especially with Jace and Jos- Josiah DeGuara waiting in the wings and ready to develop. Um, however, I do think it's at least worth noting that there were some significant rumors and reports that the Packers had called the Eagles about trading for tight end Zach Ertz last year. And everybody knows that the Eagles are hurting for salary cap space right now in a pretty big way. And the Eagles would save nearly $8 million in cap space if they either traded or released Zach Ertz. And Ertz's contract would earn him, uh, see here, $8.5 million in 2021 if he were traded to a new team. And so it's hard for me to imagine the Packers taking on that salary. But we know that they like the player. They they like Zach Ertz. So uh, that's how it seems right now. I would think that this gets interesting if Ertz is released. Uh, But that seems unlikely given, I would imagine, he should be able to fetch the Eagles a draft pick in a trade to some team with a little bit more cap space. So all that to say, I guess we should keep an open mind here with the tight end position and free agency. Uh, But I don't really expect any bank-breaking moves from the Packers at the tight end position this March. I thought it was kind of telling that Zach Ertz wasn't included in that Carson Wentz trade. Yeah, that's interesting. Because the Colts have a ton of cap space and and were a team that obviously was was linked to Ertz. Frank Reich, being the former offensive coordinator with Philadelphia, has a lot of experience with him. And so um, that, to me, I, I thought maybe they would try to lump those two together and the Colts having the cap space, you know, to to sort of do the Eagles a solid and take right, on that right. contract, maybe we get a little bit of break in draft compensation, but that was not the case. So I am talking about draft prospects. No pressure here since I am the person who is evaluating tight ends for Game on Wisconsin. 
this draft season. Uh, and I just had to pick one. And I'm going to pick one that has a really high ceiling and a really low floor. And that is Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame. I don't think the Packers are going to draft a tight end high. But if they wanted to get one in maybe like the third, the fourth, maybe the fifth round, Tommy Tremble from Notre Dame is super interesting. He's a tough guy to watch on tape because there just isn't much there. He he doesn't have a ton of production. He's not on the field a whole lot. He was behind Cole Komet and the, the new freshman tight end Notre Dame has. He was really awesome as a true freshman this year, and I can't remember his name. But from a blocking standpoint, I like him in space better than at the line. He... he He'll really get out and leg drive defensive backs all over the place, but his impact against bigger players is pretty reduced at this point. But here's where I love him. He seems super fluid. He has great straight line speed. He can make really nice catches while contested. He's got a nice reach. He uses his hands well. He really goes out there and plucks it. He does have some drops on the resume. But concentration drops in college are very normal. I wish there was some more production here because from a raw skill standpoint, Tremble is everything you are looking for. As is, he's a bit of a projection. I think it is likely some team falls in love with his athletic skill set and overdrafts him. But from a high ceiling developmental prospect, Tremble is really fun. All right, so Tremble is is so fun. And I'm really glad that you brought him up on the show today because he's a player that I had a hard time finding a lot of film on just searching the internet and I know he had a limited role there uh, you mentioned the production at Notre Dame uh, but I wanted to highlight something because I thought this was really interesting you mentioned his blocking um, PFF has him as the highest graded tight end in the running game as a blocker in 2020 so I, I find that really interesting you're shaking your head a little bit of that I I didn't see enough to know, but I was like, that is at least noteworthy. And what's really interesting about Tommy Tremble is we, we're numbers people here, right? And, and you can talk about being numbers people as statisticians, uh, statisticians if that's a word. Um, but I'm talking about jersey numbers because that's the more important science here. Tremble wears number 24. And that's, that's a little bit harder to wrap your mind around when you're watching film because it just doesn't quite look right. Yeah, you get sometimes you watch tight ends and they have single digit numbers and you're like, ooh, that looks nice. Right, right. And then you get a guy in the 20s and you're like, what is going on here? That's not normal. Yeah, I, I thought I had the wrong player for a while because I was like, clearly he's not actually wearing 24, but he was. <laughs> Listen, you and I both like pro football focus quite a bit. But I will say this there are some fatal flaws, especially when you start to talk about players like tight ends in blocking because a player like tremble who is often getting out in space gets to block players who aren't as likely to beat him as somebody who you know you think of like in the in the nfl level lee smith from the buffalo bills is basically an additional tackle well he's taking a defensive lineman on played by play-by-play play play basis so yeah when he, he he might get beat more frequently but he's doing a much more impressive job than than a tight end who's getting moved out and and having to block like a light linebacker or right safety. right <laughs> so you're saying he's probably blocking some safeties and some cornerbacks and that's helping out those statistics a little bit and, and he does a nice job of it and that that's great. That that's an effort thing to me. I think he mm-hmm. has pretty good fundamentals. He does need to get stronger. Period. But 
there's there's certain pro style systems. We'll we'll actually let me let me let me let you talk <laughs> about your player because I know who you're going to talk about, and then I'm going to make this point. Okay, sounds good. I threw this on you, uh, you know, randomly. I, I threw out numbers and random blocking grades. <laughs> so um, my guy here is Hunter Long from Boston College, and the Packers took a Boston College player last year in AJ Dillon, and so they could go back there this year if they wanted to at the tight end position. Boston College has this player in Hunter Long, who's a really nice tight end prospect if you're looking for someone early on day three. I think he could sneak into the third round, uh, but we know Brian Gutekunst does have a history of taking tight ends there in the third. Uh, But Hunter Long is just solid all around. He's a decent route runner. He has solid hands, and he does a nice job boxing guys out on contested catches and those kinds of things. He's actually a really reliable blocker, which you know LeFleur would love. Uh, But the knock on Long is going to be that he's just a jack-of-all-trades guy, and he really is a master of none. So uh, he's not an elite athlete. He's not going to create a lot in the open field. Uh, But I think he could be a really nice tight end two or tight end three for a team with a specific role. And I think his skill set could be really valuable for a team like the Packers, who do really like their tight ends and like lots of them and so I, I think the third round is rich you know I, it'd be fun to see him take a tight end in the third uh, someone we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Years in a row, uh, but I think you're looking at more like a day three pick for Hunter Long, and I think you could be happy with the player you get. Absolutely, and the point I was going to make before is there are certain <laughs> schools that you you can basically predict every single year they're going to produce an NFL caliber tight end, and and those schools the the reason why I waited Boston College is one of them, Stanford, mm-hmm. Alabama, Notre Dame. Wisconsin, Iowa, those teams that really run, Alabama doesn't run a true pro-style offense quite as much as they used to, but but those schools that really run a lot of heavy sets, pro-style offenses, they're going to have tight ends, even if they are elite athletic movers, they're going to have to grind in the blocking game. And so I think you, you can kind of count on that production. You can also trust that they're going to be pro-ready. Hunter Long is a great example of that. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees. 
and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So I wanted to throw a, a situation your way. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, I'm nervous. Okay. I wrote this a few days ago, and now I feel really stupid because... <laughs> I'm nervous. Okay. But let's let's say... Florida tight end Kyle Pitts falls to pick 19. And the reason why I think this is stupid is because all of a sudden he's getting like top six or seven buzz over the last few days. But let's say there's a slide and and we've seen this with many players. Tight end is not considered a high value position. And so let's say Pitts slides and he makes a pass what we view as his floor, which is New England at 15. He gets down to like pick 19. What if, the Packers offered their first and second round pick to move up with the Washington football team and, and draft Kyle Pitts. You, you could argue that at worst, Pitts is wide receiver four in this draft, even though he plays tight end. And he might actually be better than wide receiver four, but because he has that label as a positional tight end, he might slide a little further than some of the wide receivers. So you, you add in that his blocking is significantly better than what the public perceive it to be. And he could be that weapon that Aaron Rodgers is looking for. I mean, it's really, really fun. I mean, it is stupid. So, I mean, I'm yeah, not going to let you off the hook for no, – I'm just kidding. Uh, it's it's interesting that you say he's getting that top six, seven buzz. Why is that so crazy? Because you think about, like, as much as I love TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts is like a unicorn player. And so everybody was like, oh, yeah, it's not too rich to take – Hawkinson in the top, you know, he went eight, but like he was assumed he was going to go top 12 throughout most of that process. And then you talk about a player like Kyle Pitts, who's really until just recently never cracking in the top 10. So I think it's realistic. I think it probably happens. I mean, as, as you get further into this and you talk about just the elite player that he is at his position, but um, if he slips into the teens, I think there's going to be lots of teams that are going to try to come up to get him. I think it's going to be interesting where they evaluate him as a wide receiver versus a tight end. But giving up a second to come up that far is tough for me. I mean, if we're talking about, you mentioned 19, I'm pretty sure the Packers only gave up a third when they came up from 30 to 21 for Savage a few years back. So it'd be hard for me to give up that second just because, you know, the good players that are going to be available there in the second. But I think you start throwing that around. You start throwing around your third round pick and maybe tossing a fourth, especially with uh, the comp picks that we know the Packers will have coming. I think it would be certainly an out of the box scenario, but uh, you can get excited about what Matt LaFleur could do with someone like Kyle Pitts and having your a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, that just that match would be pretty, pretty incredible to watch. Uh, but I think you're right. The target range is right around that pick 20. If he gets close, I think you pick up the phone. Uh, something absolutely unbelievable to me. I saw this the other day. Kyle Pitts won't turn 21 until halfway through the 2021 NFL season. So he's super young, as good as he already is. The sky is the limit for him. And I think he's a player that uh, you're not too, you're not upset if you've got to give up a little bit to go trade up for him. 
Yeah, for the record, I'm not necessarily advocating this, but people who want to give Aaron Rodgers <laughs> weapons, uh, my current comp for Pitts is Travis Kelsey. And the difference between Kansas City being a really good offense and being the most explosive is Travis Kelsey. And I will tell you this as a little sneak peek based on adjusted for age, Kyle Pitts is going to be my number three overall offensive player in this draft. That's even pretty, that's fun. even getting hit for being a tight end. That's pretty incredible. So can I ask you? Can I ask you? Um, you've got Trevor Lawrence. Correct. He is number one. And then who's your who's your two? You have right. It's Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell. Okay. All right. I just had to know. I didn't want to give away too much on the podcast here. I know you're. You know, no, gotta, that's fine. Got to save that's some good. of that contact. That's good. Number three offensive. <laughs> Keep people player. in suspense, right? right, right All right, right we got to right. move on to tackle. Yeah, we gave people their money's worth at tight end. It is time to talk about offensive tackle. Um, the tackles on this Packers roster are really, really interesting because this group could be pretty different in just a couple weeks here. Uh, obviously, David Bakhtiari is back on that brand new deal, which he just restructured. Bless him. Uh, but he may or may not be ready to roll week one, depending on how he does in his recovery from injury. And then the questions start then with Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, because both proved to be really, really good players in 2020. Uh, but cap restraints may keep the Packers from keeping both of them on the roster this coming season. But then there's even more questions when you get down to guys. The rest of the team is Yash Nijman. He's an exclusive rights free agent. I guess we can mention uh, Jared Belt here as someone who is technically on this team in 2020 but uh, that's unlikely probably to be a reunion I would imagine so it's interesting that it appears the only guarantee at offensive tackle right now is David Bakhtiari and he's recovering from that injury which probably puts tackle on the offseason to-do list I would imagine both for right now and then building for the future which we understand is the point of the draft and often the offseason. Yeah, and it, it does seem pretty unlikely the Packers would spend at offensive tackle and free agency knowing what the cost is and how it's almost always prohibitive unless a player has a pretty rough track record. The The 2021 free agent tackle class is highlighted by Trent Williams, Alejandro Villanueva, Buffalo's Daryl Williams, Cam Robinson, Carolina's Taylor Mouton. Uh, you have Russell Kung, Jason Peters, Ty Nisecki, Joe Haig. The list goes on and on. And in a lot of ways, when I was looking at it, tackle reminds me a little bit of cornerback. Anyone who is relatively young and any good is never going to sniff free agency. And the ones who are okay always get way overpaid. So you're left with really old players and really bad players, which is why I would never advocate signing unrestricted free agent tackles unless you have some sort of track record with the player. For instance, you have Rick Wagner last year, and they were the, the Packers were really betting on him recovering from injury and being more Baltimore Ravens Rick Wagner instead of Detroit Lions Rick Wagner. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I think Andrew and I both believe that offensive tackle is a real possibility uh, in the first round of this year's NFL draft. Uh, but I think we've kind of felt that way for a couple of years now. And so maybe this is finally the year that that happens. But luckily for the Packers, if that's the route they go, it is a really nice deep group at offensive tackle. It's a really, really fun uh, position group there. And I really like Samuel Cosme. Uh, the tackle from Texas for the Packers. His stock is really, really all over the place. I've seen him going in the top 15. I've also seen him falling uh, relatively far into the second round. But Cosme is an excellent athlete. 
uh, at the position. He's six foot seven, weighs somewhere between 300 and 310. And for me, the things that people identify as weaknesses for Cosme are the things that I think can be coached and worked out with time. Uh, he needs to add some weight to his frame, especially in that lower half. And he needs to have more consistent technique instead of just relying on what is really nice athleticism that he has uh, to carry him throughout the game. But to me, Cosme is a great fit for the Packers in their zone rushing attack. Uh, his athleticism is, is a great fit there. And he has experience at both right tackle and left tackle. And many do feel that his best position in the NFL might be the right tackle spot, which is great considering the Packers already have uh, someone they like pretty well on the left side. So uh, Texas's Samuel Cosme is a player I could find myself getting pretty excited about if he were on the board there at 29 for Green Bay. It's always interesting when a guy weighs 300 or 310 pounds and you're like, yeah, you could put on a little weight. Yeah. <laughs> but his frame, I mean, he's huge. Yeah, he's big like dude. Six, seven. He looks kind of skinny on, mm-hmm. on film, yeah. honestly. Um, so, yeah, I, he's he's a pretty strong dude already, but you would think he could probably add 10 or 15 pounds more of muscle in the NFL and get even more intimidating. And the benefit that the Packers have is that regardless of who they bring back to play the other tackle spot, we know that one of those guys is likely getting cut. Um, They do have the benefit of knowing that whoever they draft is going to be a player that can sit and can grow and maybe put on that weight. So that's a benefit that the Packers have uh, given themselves in the way that they've built this roster. Yeah, and it's interesting. We both picked tackles that are in that first-round conversation. Uh, Mine is Jalen Mayfield from the University of Michigan, who you know, to me is a super, super natural mover. He's really young. He was just a redshirt sophomore this year and still learning some of the angles he needs to take. He can do anything you ask him to do athletically. Generates a lot of power because of that athleticism. So he can really move guys in the box. I saw a really good anchor in limited opportunities um, in 2020. He only played two games this season. So again, young, kind of inexperienced, He's able to recover from the power and really settle into his blocks. I'm semi-confident that he would be available at 29, even though I have him as offensive tackle too. I don't think other people are going to grade him in the same way because my evaluation is so much about projection of what he could be and not necessarily him being where he needs to be as a pro. So exactly what you talked about, being able to sit for a year, that would be really helpful in this case. Mayfield will turn 21 after the draft. I truly think he could be a solid starter at right tackle this year if he was forced into it. But where he separates himself as a prospect in my book is he could be a top five offensive tackle in the entire league in three years. Like he has that kind of crazy upside. He's powerful, but he's also an elite mover. And you just typically have to choose one of those two things with NFL tackle prospects. They're they're either really powerful or they're a good mover, and they have to develop that other skill set. I think Mayfield kind of has both already. Another name I'm going to quickly mention, I know this is cheating, but <laughs> that's James Hudson from Cincinnati. He was actually a defensive lineman at Michigan. I really need to stop talking about Wolverines. <laughs> and only played one year at offensive tackle because – Thanks NCAA for denying his transfer waiver in 2019, but he's, he's not ready. He's not anywhere close, but some team is going to get an unbelievably talented and fierce competitor to develop with a majorly high upside. And we know the Packers have a decent track record of taking offensive linemen in the mid to late rounds and, uh, 
developing some really nice talent there. So that would be interesting. I know that that name, James Hudson. So interesting. To, I did not know the rest of his journey, so I'm excited to dig into that a little bit more. But uh, let's flip the page a little bit to everyone's favorite position, uh, the interior of the offensive line. Uh, it's, it's a fun one. Oh, yeah. People love interior offensive linemen conversations. Um, the Packers are pretty healthy at guard. You, you talk about Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, Lucas Patrick, John Runyon Jr. Um, they also have Simon Stepaniak. They're all coming back. At center, however, they only have Jake Hansen on the roster right now. You know, technically, Elton Jenkins is probably being looked at the, at the starting center if the Packers don't get back Corey Lindsley, who, of course, is an unrestricted free agent. The other unrestricted free agent on the roster is Lane Taylor. That's super interesting. I I assumed that Lucas Patrick was the heir to the center position and that they would leave Elton Jenkins over at left guard. But I guess it just depends. On right. like, I know that they like the, the smarts um, of Elton Jenkins. And so it'll be interesting to see if they prefer that at center and uh, kind of be in the quarterback of that offensive line or if uh, if they leave him where he's been so so good. That's interesting to me. It, it's it's. It is interesting that you say that because it, the the thought just crept in my head. Yes, Elton Jenkins has experience at center, but if you put him at center, you're never going to be able to move him around. Yeah. If he's healthy. Yeah. So like the way that they they flipped him to tackle, they would never do that if he was the starting center. They sure. would always keep him at center. But if Lucas Patrick can be the starting center and you have Elton Jenkins playing guard and your right tackle goes out and you need him to slide over there, you probably don't have as much of an issue as changing the person snapping Aaron Rodgers, which you don't want to do if at all possible. And I hadn't even thought about that uh, positional versatility of being able to grab him and use him at tackle if necessary and those kinds of things. So that will be interesting to see. But I mean, obviously the Packers have just plugged and play Elton Jenkins from the moment he walked in the door and has just been uh, lights out for this team. So it'll be interesting to see if they continue to, usually the critique is when you tinker with a player and you move them around, you mess up their development. To this point, Elton Jenkins, Jenkins doesn't care. He just he just flourishes wherever you put him. So we'll we'll see what happens in his future there next year. But um, again, I think we're bargain bin shopping here. If we talk about the free agents that are available, uh, Andrew and I both are going to mention Lane Taylor, and I do think that he's one of the names that makes a ton of sense to bring back from free agency. Uh, the dude has just had horrific luck. I hate it for him, uh, but he's been very, very good when he's been available and he's going to be really cheap and we love really cheap right now. And so I love the idea of Green Bay having a competition between John Runyon Jr. and Lane Taylor there at right guard. And I think you feel pretty good about the loser of that battle being your backup guard potentially. So outside of a surprising reunion with someone like Corey Lindsley, uh, I'd really like to see Lane Taylor brought back as a free agent. And now we're going to talk about some draft prospects. And uh, I was I was grading out interior offensive linemen all the way up until last night. So <laughs> I, I I have these guys fresh in mind. And I'm going to pick uh, Quinn Miners from UW Whitewater. And is this a homer pick? You better believe it is. <laughs> but he's also an awesome story. This is a guy who went to a D3 because that was the only place that really wanted him. And granted, this is one of the best Division Three football programs in the entire country. That's why he went there, to get developed. But he just dedicated himself to the game. Ben Solak from the Draft Network 
and friend of the podcast, did an awesome story about how Miners went to his family summer cabin in Canada last year and just grinded. He made this hilarious video. He's lifting lumber. He's he's practicing his punch on trees uh, and a whole bunch of other just great stuff. And, you know, UW-Whitewater didn't play any games in 2020. So what did he do? He sat around and ate Doritos. No, I'm just kidding. He <laughs> taught himself how to play center because he knew that would make him a better NFL prospect. That's awesome. And and then he goes to the Senior Bowl. He played out of his mind. He proved he could compete with the big boys and then did the most Wisconsin thing ever. He did an interview with his beer belly hanging out. You, you've That's seen fan- Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah. I didn't I didn't make the connection until you said that. So I'll talk about oh. I'm going to talk about that more in just a second. But you keep going. <laughs> he's, he's really strong. Uh, he can take defenders for a ride. He's a really fluid mover in pass sets. He has a great ability to grab on and re-anchor. And again, really reinforcing at the Senior Bowl, he probably needs a year of development to uh, refine some bad habits that y- you kind of get away with at the D3 level. But he is really intriguing. And I'm thinking he's a day three pick. He could potentially down the line be your heir apparent at center, but he also has experience at guard, and we know how the Packers love to cross-train people. So Quinn Miners, UW-Whitewater. So Quinn Miners, when you said that name, it rung a bell, but I haven't gotten through all my uh, later round offensive linemen yet. And so, but when you mentioned the beer belly hanging out, I immediately know who that player is. So brilliant move on Miners' part to brand himself. He's like, I'm going to develop myself into a multi-position player. I'm going to learn the center position, and then I'm going to absolutely make sure they will not forget who I am because they've all seen my beer belly on NFL Network. Like, what a brilliant way to market yourself and give yourself a brand. Uh, no one's passing on that guy day three because they're like, you know, yeah. we know that guy. And, like, you think, okay, this guy's kind of goofy. Um, <laughs> and and he probably is. But if if you read the Ben Solak story, I, I, I just love what you read in between the lines. First of all, total kudos to Ben for writing a fun, phenomenal story. Like, really great, honestly. Um It was intriguing at a level that was even beyond sports. But what I really, really liked was Miners like went to his coaches when he was a younger player. And he he was like, I I just don't understand why these guys are out drinking. Like we're supposed to be concentrating on football. And there are lots of little things like that. You see the work that he was willing to put in. And he sort of has that NFL mindset already. The things that I really like raved about Equinemius St. Brown and how he'd been training to be an NFL player since he was a little kid. It's clear that Miners has that work ethic already. And yeah, he's a D3 prospect, but he has the body of an NFL player. And he he clearly showed he could compete against the top levels of competition at the, the Senior Bowl this year. Oh, uh, man, you said uh, he has the body of an NFL player, and then you said, and he clearly showed, and I thought you were going to say, and he clearly showed it to all of us. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, he did that, too. Uh, but good on him for, I mean, seriously, uh, I, I, that that's a story that you want to get behind and want to cheer for. So excited to see wherever he lands. Uh, maybe it will be with the Green Bay Packers. But I've got one more guy for us here on the interior offensive line, and that is Wyatt Davis of Ohio State. And NFL bloodlines are really fun. And Wyatt Davis is the grandson of former Packers great Willie Davis. And Wyatt has already begun his own journey to the NFL and is expected to be a fringe first-round, maybe second-round 
pick. Uh, he's expected to step in and be a starting guard right away for whoever takes him. And the Packers might just have that opening at right guard, as we kind of talked, uh, depending on how things go with John Runyon Jr. and any other competition there on the right side. Um, I think it would be surprising if the Packers picked Davis at 29. That just doesn't seem like a move that they would make. Uh, but Davis did experience a knee injury in the national championship game right at the very end of this this past season and if he starts to slip down into that second round I can see Brian Gutekunst getting really excited about Davis as a fit in their zone scheme and continuing to go ahead and invest in that offensive line especially given the success that they had with Elton Jenkins there in the second just a couple of years ago so uh, it might be really tempting to go ahead and go back to the well and continue to take a guard there in the second round as maybe even unexciting as that might be. Yeah, so I I, uh, I I think Davis is a really intriguing prospect for sure. Um, I know we're we're probably going to have to wrap up at some point here. Um, so I oh, well, let me ahead. cut you off really quick. Uh, yeah, I know we're going to close up the show, but uh, as a lot of our listeners probably know, Andrew does a ton of great work over at Game on Wisconsin, and uh, I've seen a couple of his, his articles pop up this week, and I just wanted to go ahead and give you the floor one more time before we get off the show today to talk about what you've been writing. Oh, yeah. So last Sunday, my If I Were Goody article launched. And so a, a different writer is going to do what they would do if they were Brian Gutekunst during the offseason. So I, I was fortunate enough to get to go first. And you can read all about the very conservative moves that I would make if I were the <laughs> Packers GM and get really frustrated with me. So that's fun. Uh, also, my Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of the University of Miami draft evaluation uh, came out on Tuesday. So you can, you can check out as I continue to work my way through the tight ends for Game on Wisconsin. Um, I'm going to be breaking them down all up until the draft, so head on over there if you want to check out a bunch of really cool draft content. And if you don't like tight ends, that's totally fine. I understand. You can check out all the other position evaluations that the, the other writers are doing. But that is all the time that we have for today. I've checked multiple times. No J.J. Watt updates as of yet. But this has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back covering some defensive options for the Packers this offseason next week. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.